Welcome to the Mad Writers Union. Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf. I'm Tim Berger. I'm Nina Niskanen. And I'm Michael Lee. We thought we would have one of our lovely friends of the podcast come on board to explain a little bit more about convention culture now that the convention season is nigh. It's always nigh. <laughs> well, you would say that. <laughs> Spoken like a true con runner. Yes. So yes, today we have Michael Lee, who is a seasoned con runner. You've been running Convergence, at least, and you've been also involved in the Helsinki World Con bids. I'm sure I'm missing some other con running. Those are probably my primary two convention stuff at the moment. I've been involved in conventions for all of my adult life decades at this point because i'm old (laughs) but my primary two right now are convergence and world cons generally um i was on the bid for helsinki and i am currently working on the helsinki world con as well as the kansas city world con nice excellent i saw that you were just assigned the business meeting uh wsfs wisfus the World Science Fiction Society. Wispus, yes. Business meeting. You mentioned that you've been involved in conventions your a whole adult life, but what was your first convention? Was it Convergence? Actually, basically when I was a teenager, barely pre-internet, but there were computer bulletin board systems, and so I was calling in to local bulletin boards and met up with some friends we started a doctor who fan club because that's like my tv love and then we discovered at that time besides the doctor who conventions that were going on there has been in minneapolis minicon has been running for over 40 years uh so a very very long time and so I first go, started going there as a high school student, and it became kind of one of my homecoming things while I was in college. And then there were some internal political changes, which I would take up the rest of the podcast, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, Convergence started about 15 years ago, and I got involved with the starting of that convention just enough later that I wasn't a founder, but it was only a matter of months. So very early on in that initial piece and I've done a variety of different roles there over the years. Just so you know, a convergence was actually my first convention that I ever attended. It was mind blowing for me because it's a, it's a great fan run convention. And I know a lot of people travel far and wide to come here every, every year to go to Convergence. So uh, you should be commended for running such a well-run convention. Thank you. So what was it like back then compared to now? Like how different is it in the definitely post-internet 2.0 period versus (laughs) you were mentioning that you were on built boards and stuff? You know, when I first got involved, I didn't do a lot of serious running of stuff. I mean, except for paper things. Most of the stuff had been post, you know, everyone almost having an email address and all of that sort of thing. Now everyone is connected online. Sure. And I think one of the things that's important, especially as you look at the history of conventions starting going even back to the dawn of time, a lot of stuff 
was before you know everyone had ease of printing and so on sure and the communication was just so much slower i have no idea how they did conventions of any size or complexity back then except for really expensive phone calls and mail but a lot of that you know now of course very easy i'm this was a very easy time for me because I'm very much in the habit of planning international calls with Finland now. So <laughs> and this seems to be a good time on Sunday morning. Yes, it very much is. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from experience. You know, one of the things now especially is it's almost nothing to, okay, we're going to have our team working on our division for Worldcon. And I will have someone calling in from the Washington, D.C. area, from Helsinki, from Brussels, and the streets of New York. Sure. Various things that I'm sure that compared to back then, uh, it was much, much more difficult to do that organization. So what actually led you to start volunteering? Or were you voluntold? No, I actually volunteered by myself. I've been voluntold very many times. <laughs> Uh, over the years, but actually the first one was very much the, I wanted something, the general science fiction convention had been done, um, but I was in high school and I was like, we want a Doctor Who convention in our, in our hometown. And a bunch of us, way too young, because we were all <laughs> in high school, managed to find someone that could legally sign documents. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a good amount of help back then It was very much to fill that need of community and build something up for a particular slice. And that's really been the piece of convention running overall, is that your goal for convention running is to build and develop the community of people interested in this stuff. Um, and this stuff is very general because there are a lot of different flavors of science fiction convention mm -hmm. sure of course but in in every case especially like the ones that you're volunteering for the which are the ones that i'm primarily interested in are based around that community mm -hmm. right so stemming from that could you tell us about when like your one of your favorite maybe fandom experiences that you've had as a con volunteer <sighs> oh um it's a tough example In some ways, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of it is is that positive feedback. That's actually a pretty good yeah, one. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like we had early on, I've, I've had that sort of, you know, that sort of piece when you have, for example, in Convergence's case, we've had people like Paul Cornell and Lee Harris yes. come to the convention on their own dime. We've made them guests of honor, and those years, you know, they've had their membership and hotel room paid. But when they're attending just as attending, they have purchased an airplane ticket, purchased the hotel room, come all that way, and then participated in the community mm -hmm. in some way. And those are meaningful pieces. It's also really, really satisfying from a fandom experience when through those processes, you have people that, later give feedback that they discovered someone through a convention. I had several people that the first time they heard of Cat Valente 
was when Cat was a guest of honor at Convergence several mm-hmm. years ago. Right. And so those are pieces of things that are really satisfying and exciting. And then you also have the stuff of people that met and got married at conventions <laughs> and, and you know, all of those sorts of interpersonal relationships that are all combined to be really satisfying. Two fun facts about Paul Cornell and Convergence. He has publicly said that Convergence is his favorite con to go to. And also he gets the opportunity to uh, teach cricket to Americans, which has been a long running (laughs) panel. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. So just want to plug that in there. Nice. As you know, we, we try to kind of skew toward the writer side of things in terms of a writer at a convention. Usually a lot of conventions nowadays have writer tracks Yep. We've we've had some of our friends who they are just they've been writing for a long time but now they're just starting to get out in the convention circuit. Yep. What's a good way for a writer who's never been to a convention to kind of get their feet wet? That was one of the things I was expecting actually on the call. Guilty. <laughs> it's a good question cuz and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of emphasize the community aspect and those pieces. The professional side can come But if you go to a convention thinking of that professionally, you might not be very satisfied because it's one of those things where you're building up a relationship that may take several times, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're new. As a community side, then you're able to build and find other writers. That's a key thing. Yeah, we definitely focus a lot on telling people kind of to, to find their niche, to find their writer friends. Yeah, you can do some of that. But then at the same time is kind of what is your goal for the convention? I mean, in in any particular city, there may be more than one. I know the Twin Cities is blessed. Yes. With a convention every, almost every month. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're all very different conventions. To use examples that I know that you're all somewhat familiar with, you know, we have within two or three weeks, Fourth Street Fantasy and Convergence. Both are somehow technically science fiction and fantasy conventions, (laughs) but they are completely different events having completely different purposes. And as as a writer, you're going to get two very different experiences and value value on it. If you're a new writer, 4th Street is going to be great for writer feedback and intensive discussion within that environment. It's not very large. It's a single track. Yeah, it's capped at 300, I believe. Yeah, it's not a large convention, and it's single track, and it's it's intense. Also, it's one of those conventions that is by writers for writers. Absolutely. As opposed to something like Convergence or Worldcon, which is by fans for fans. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you're getting two very different sorts of experiences at those two events. What kind of things are you looking for out of the convention? You know, what are your goals? And then finding a convention that makes some of those particular goals. Um, And a perfectly acceptable goal is I want to be able to sit in the bar with my friends for a night, you know, and and socialize. That's, after all, a a key reason why people are doing this is, is that socialization and entertainment and community part of it. Yeah. BarCon is very important. Yes. (laughs) Since we started talking about bar cons and uh, speaking as a very shy introvert, 
how do you go about having fun when you're not necessarily there with a bunch of friends? Identify your friends that are going to be there ahead of time. And I think one of the ways, and this is especially true when you're dealing with something like Worldcon or Convergence, you know, a large convention and large in this case is anything larger than maybe a couple hundred people, anything with thousands of people. Having people that you want to see, it may be people that you've never physically met before, but planning ahead with those people and saying, we want to meet up plan a meal time with them, plan a drink time. You know, if it's your first time at a convention, if you have friends that are there or acquaintances, and I'm including people that you only know through Twitter or, or Facebook or an email list or something like that ahead of time, sure. that they can help bring you into some groups, especially if you're new. I think especially for a new writer, you walk in and you're like, I am a new writer. And unless you have that relationship no one's going to recognize you sure no one might actually know who you are especially if you haven't published yeah especially if you haven't published even if you have published you know to give a great story scott lynch has been going to convergence since very very early on none of us knew who scott lynch was until <laughs> after he was published sure there were early convergences where he ran around LARPing at the convention. But, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't actually until I ran into him at 4th Street where I was able to kind of connect a name to a face, to a career, and all of that sort of stuff. Then combined with that at a larger convention like Convergence that you say, oh, wait, he's here and he's always been here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to some extent, you know, that's true for... A lot of ones. And as a con runner, that's very satisfying where, you know, you have a lot of people that are early on in their careers and then later get some degree of success. Mm -hmm. It's very satisfying to have that sort of connection because one of the pieces of that is kind of that incubator yeah. of talent. Yeah. Sure. It probably should be mentioned, though, uh, in terms of meeting people that what you probably want to avoid is sidling up to well-published authors and trying to involve con in yourself in the conversations when it looks like they're probably having a, a private moment with their friends. Because, uh, yeah. No, that's why I said plan ahead, you know, plan ahead with people. I mean, most of these people are more than happy to meet up with people as well. But especially, you know, like at Worldcon, you know, George R. R. Martin's going to be a rock star in any venue. <laughs> yeah. But one of the reasons why he continues to go to Worldcon is, is, is he's going to be a lot more accessible there than when he's at San Diego Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. Sure. One of the reasons why he goes to those is is specifically because the nature of the interactions can be can be a lot different. Mm -hmm. My first big con experience, I'd only been to one con before Brighton World Fantasy Convention. And I went there pretty much knowing no one except Mary Robinette Cole. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much knew no one except Mary Robinette Kowal, and I knew her because I'd taken a course from her. Or so I thought. It was one evening that one of the chairs for the Helsinki Worldcon 
Jukka Halme comes up to me and goes like, Oh, how are you doing? I saw you. I noticed you took this course from with Mary Robinette Koal. How's the con going? And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? I'm I'm no one. And he was like, well, yeah, I'm I'm a smoth. I, I have to know these things. <laughs> what really helped me there was that they had this newbie corner and a lot of Finnish cons are adopting this lately in that there's a place where you can go and ask for help. Help, I'm a newbie. I don't know anyone. And you'll meet people there. For example, I know Cameron Hurley now because I accidentally sat next to his, uh, her husband. Pronouns are hard. Her husband at the newbie corner. I knew no one. He knew no one. And we were like, hi, let's hang. That's cool. Yeah. If you want a little more interaction with uh, somebody that you're a fan of, too, there's often like the readings and the coffee clatches and what have you that are available at most cons. I haven't actually ever done a fandom convention other than Spectrum, which was aimed really at the artist track specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those people who has a secret nervousness about writing convention or, write, or you know, fandom conventions really in general. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to see, like, if you had any kind of opinions on what are what are the experiences you wouldn't want a new convention goer to miss out on. And I think we've kind of touched on that, but I thought I would go over it with a fine tooth comb if you're going to one out of town yeah we'll call it that like like this is your first getting on the plane let's give a hypothetical example of a convention in a faraway country that you may not have ever gone to before yeah let's say finland maybe like finland yeah you're going to the helsinki world con (laughs) (laughs) one of the things absolutely you know there you want to meet up with friends, plan a meal, go to and identify some of like the key tentpole events. You know, if you're going to a world con, you probably are curious and want to see the Hugo ceremony. Yeah. If there's a convention that has a decent sized masquerade, you might not do that every year, but that's probably something worth seeing, especially at a larger one where the masquerade has some weight behind it. If you're going to a foreign city, do something touristy in the city. I'm not involved in the programming side, but one of the traditions, you know, that Worldcon has frequently had is kind of morning stroll with the stars is the is the sub- subject and it's walking around with a relatively small group, you know, some of the attending professionals and seeing the area. I can only expect that there will be something like that at Helsinki. No doubt. No doubt, because it's you know it, the convention center is relatively close to the city itself. When I was there last year, Yuka gave me a tour of Helsinki. I'm expecting it will have some. There'll be something similar at the Helsinki Worldcon. Sure. And lots of other conventions have something like that. If there are particular professionals that you want to see, you know, on there, go to programming items that are unique. Find out where the social area is. If it's an American convention that has a con suite, go there. If there's a hospitality or a convention suite that's providing free EL stuff, go there, check it out. Volunteer to help. And just because you are attending there as a writer, actually, that is a really good good suggestion. Volunteer to help in some fashion. And not necessarily just at program items, but there are usually a variety of other tasks and uh, various things. You know, doing that will get you like frontline 
experience <laughs> with the other people. And to some extent, and I do know this for a fact, especially if you're like someone new or new, a, new face, a yeah. new face and including a new writer. If they discover that you wrote something and you frontline volunteer, you will be a rock star in that sense. <laughs> nice. In the sense that they will, you know, that more than trying to get on program. I know from a lot of people that that having, you know, having that experience because it's connected to building the community. Mm-hmm. Sure. Showing the community is the key part of it. Okay. Sure. My first Worldcon, I went there as part of the Helsinki team and volunteering for something in the community building area, it gives you an excuse to meet and talk to a lot of people who will very probably remember you later. I wouldn't know what example you might be thinking of there. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of going off of that and just slightly pivoting. I I know that at smaller conventions, it's maybe a little easier to volunteer for certain things. Fort Street, for example, has the ambassador program that uh, they have people that will go out with people who have never attended before and they'll have lunch with them and uh, try to facilitate conversation and, and friendships and what have you when you're at a larger con and you've been at this con for a while are there other things that you can do to help newer writers newer newer attendees to maybe uh, make them feel a little more at home various conventions do have Worldcon in recent years has had first world con ribbons and I've seen other conventions pick up on that tradition and have, yeah. you know, have first convention. There may be a programming item called That Convention 101 or My First World Con or some sort of beginner panel. And that may be mm-hmm. something to look up before you get there because usually it's on the first day. And yeah, and the key thing is, is then identify where the hospitality area is. And as I said earlier, hopefully you have gone, you know, you do have people that you're going to the convention that you already know. Mm-hmm. Even just in passing. Even just in passing. But you are like, you know, meet up in the bar if it's if that's appropriate or meet up in con suite. If it's a, a convention with a good amount of room parties of various things, go, you know, visit parties as a group when you're trying to make some connections. And a lot of this is is like any sort of relationship building it is not a one and done yeah yeah sure you, you know this is not a your your first time you're going to instantly be friends with everyone right away and <laughs> and you know these things take you know multiple experiences that's challenging but it may be over a variety of different conventions because people then do go to different conventions and and to some extent that's you know one of the ways that's one of the things where especially if you're traveling and you know other people that are traveling from your location going there meeting up with people you know that you could see any time perhaps but you're gonna actually see them because you're halfway across the country or the world that happens actually quite you know quite a bit moving on to uh, this side of the table can you give us any hints or advice on how to make the con experience better for the volunteers or the voluntolds? <laughs> say thank you. Say thank you. Know, say thank you. You know, when we're talking about the fan-run, nonprofit, all-volunteer convention, we're doing this certainly not for money. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> we are paying for the privilege. To volunteer often quite a lot too 
yeah, it can be it can be a fair, you know, fair sizable, you know. I mean, I know that I've seen you at least in three or four different conventions promoting the Helsinki bid and now the Helsinki Worldcon, and I'm sure that most of those you paid your own way. The most I've had is the con, you know, the con for parties providing food and drink and you know a little bit of but but a budget yeah but a little bit of budget for the for a party or an event but the the getting there and the heavy lifting is on on my part yeah sure but a lot of that really is is the appreciation and being friendly about it having that sort of positive goodwill reinforces itself almost every con- convention has some sort of catastrophe going beyond behind the scenes <laughs> that if you're really lucky, no one, you know, no one, no one knows about. Yeah, I, I've always been entirely oblivious to all the catastrophes going on behind the scenes, only to find out later from my con runner friends that it was madness. You know, we had at Convergence a couple years ago, one of our longtime volunteers literally die at the convention. You know, I mean, you know, have have a, she had health problems. And passed away oh, no. at the con- you know at the convention. Whoa! Oh, and the sh- show must go on. Everyone's that you know most of the people are there to have fun, but having something like that, it is you know there's nothing positive about this sort of thing. Sure. Except for the fact that it reinforces you know that togetherness. The, the togetherness in the community, and that and it is one of those things where these communities are are very long lived. And sure. and that's the important thing I think as as a new writer, is these are communities that stick together from new babies that they see born you know see born, relationships and marriages form and people passing away, and you have that whole life thing. I mean, then that's you know and and I think that's being aware of that's what you're you know kind of walking into as a you know as a writer sure it's the exciting part about it i mean it can be you know the community can reinforce you know it inspire you know inspires you but it really is something that's that's building a you know building a community and 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 all the all the things that a community has sure so you mentioned awful things happening and behind the scenes the show must go on but if, as a guest, something terrible happens to you or someone close to you, what do you do? Yeah, best practices. A solid convention has some sort of operations or communications department or reporting mechanisms. They should be publicizing that in the program, you know, in a program guide. The worst thing for a convention runner is, especially if it's something they could have done something about, is to see something on a blog post two weeks later. Sure. You can't do any, you know, you can't do anything about it two weeks after the, you know, afterwards. Right. But if you, you know, report, you know, there there should be some sort of reporting mechanism and there should then be a good process to go about that. And it's inevitable that some, you know, you're, you know, especially once you're dealing with a certain size of people, is going to have a few, you know, people that that are causing problems, and they're going to be incidents that happen. Right. Part of the convention planning process is to prepare for that, and then bringing that up to the appropriate people, and assuming that it's a well-run convention, mm-hmm. they will have 
you know, a good process in place to address whatever the issue is. Right. And that includes, you know, escalating to, if it's a medical incident, address, you know, to that. If it's, if it's just, this person has been bothering me and I want them to, you know, they need to leave me alone, which is a thing that can happen. There are ways that, you know, the, the community has each other, you know, should have each other's back. Sure. And I, you know, and see very much and report, you know, and when that goes well and has those processes, you know, these things can get taken care of and, and go on to having fun, which is the, you know, the, the, the key point, the key point. uh, you know, <laughs> sure. we are, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's a small percentage of stuff, but it does, it does happen and you need to be prepared for it. Sure. We had kind of talked about this, but then skipped away from it. Yeah. As we were talking about people kind of going from, you know, being a, a regular convention attendee, uh, and then sort of transitioning into being the kind of person who might be involved in the like con guest and author side of the table. Yep. How can we as writers work well with the con volunteers, you know, with the con com to kind of make sure that everybody has a good time? Communicate. Communicate. You know, it's it's, it's surprisingly <laughs> succinct yeah. advice. Communicate. Communicate. <laughs> be paid. You know, I mean, we all we all recognize, you know, all sides of stuff will be busy at times so sure. you know i mean you know they you know sometimes you'll get very quick responses sometimes it may on both sides tell what you want to do and as a pro you know one thing identify uh, you know it's one thing to necessarily just focus on like the heavy duty craft how to get published, these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Go for the, you know, go for the things that you're a fan of as well. Identify the fun stuff. You know, go, you know, go in and 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 have fun. But really, communication is the key because because that's that's always hard. That's hard for everyone. Sure. Yeah. And that includes, you know, if there's something. You know, if you see a programming list item and you're like, I don't know why I'm on this item, ask That's before, right. you know. Like a panel ask, that is like, wait, why? Why? <laughs> you know, ask, why? ask before going on to on the panel to say you don't know why you're on the panel. <laughs> yeah, don't don't show up to the panel and say, like, why am I here? Yeah, never, you know, if it drives me nuts when I see someone, uh, uh, you know, say, seriously, I don't know why I'm on this panel. <laughs> because the, either the people running the you know the programming track put you know should have you know should have told you you know you should know why you're on there it may be a surprising yeah. reason on there it may not it may be for something that you don't you know you would never have thought of but ask you know ask that question discover why you're on something before you you know you show up so heaven forbid you want to join the secret masters of fandom. How do you go about doing that? Instead of just showing up and being like, hey, I have two hands and nothing to do. That eventually <laughs> gets you there. And it, that, <laughs> that, combined, you know, that combined with comp you know, with some degree of competence. And a lot of this is over time. Um and connect sure. you know, and it goes to the community you know, it goes to the community aspect. You know, one of the things very much for me when, even when you're going from one convention to another, 
you may have some skills based on what you did, but your community experience is going to be very different. You know, is going to be a very different place. And actually, a lot. And one of the th- I mean, one of the things for me very much was that I had gone to a variety of different conventions. But a lot of it is was you know was showing you know showing up, saying I wanted you know finding things that that matched what I was doing at the time. Uh, communicating well, finding good people to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, you do need backups because you're doing this in your spare time and sometimes life hits you. Mm-hmm. Sure. We know about life hitting you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you want to be able, you know, and that sometimes says, you know, and sometimes the that means not just saying yes, but saying no. Being very careful about, you know, communicating. <laughs> not overscheduling. Not overscheduling because it's very easy to, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, I I took a less intensive convergence position as kind of the Worldcon 75 Helsinki bid before I even started that, really, you know, before I, you know, got that, because there's no way I could do both, you know, you know, do <laughs> yeah. all. And a lot of that really is pacing yourself, saying yes, doing a good job at the things you're going to do, and trying to have fun. I'm, you know, this, I'm not getting, you know, you're not getting paid for this. If you're not having fun, stop. Sure. (laughs) Um, I mean, there are, you know, there are times where it's not fun, but overall, overall, it's, it's, it's really, really rewarding because, you know, you do have all of those positive community experiences that you see, you see happen. I mean, you know, I, you know, the, uh, that's why, you know, by the time, you know, by the time, the Helsinki Worldcon happens, it will have been something that has been a little bit of you know part of part of my life for five years. Well, and I'm not the long you know, and yeah. I'm not, and I you know, I mean, and I I don't think that you'll be done with it at the moment the con ends. Oh God, no, right? no, no. I, <laughs> I will be less. I will be more done than many people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there'll be there'll be other people that that have definite posts. The convention doesn't end after the after the con. <laughs> it's it's like a Gatsby party; it never ends. Exactly. Um, but that except for the one guy. Yeah, but yes, but the role. You know the you know the big you know the big pieces of it. Yeah, sure. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything that we didn't actually cover in the questions that we came up with? No, I think as I said, I, I think the key thing is fun, communicate, be with friends. It's not going to be my day job that people are going to think about when I'm, you know, in my nursing home somewhere. You know, that's that's not the, you know, it's, you know, that's not what. It's not what we will remember you that's for. That's not what people are going to remember me for, but pieces of, you know, pieces of the convention stuff. Lifelong friendships and lifelong experiences. I wouldn't be going to Helsinki next month if it wasn't for the convention experience. I met my I met my wife at a convention and she's been staring at me. <laughs> that I <haven't> mentioned this. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's very much part of your of your life. So beyond conventions, where can people find you out in the world? Best place is on Twitter at Michael Org, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-O-R-G. 
And otherwise, I will be always at Convergence, and I will be at both Mid-AmeriCon and the Helsinki World Con. I will be at Forest Street. I'm usually at every convention in the Twin Cities, <laughs> <laughs> at least for a little bit. And that's the basics. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. This is great. No, this is fun. So, Michael, have you read any good books lately? Yes, I am currently in the middle of the Ron Chernow, Alexander Hamilton bio, because like half of the science fiction community, I am obsessed by Hamilton. I wonder why. So I'm currently in the middle of that. I actually feel like I can't talk about recent science fiction books since the Hugo's next year will follow under me. So I'll pick, you know, Mm. it really does have to be something uh, a little further afield that I'll talk about. No worries. Fair. Nice. Okay, Tim, have you read any good books lately? Yes, I have. Um, and this is actually something that I picked up at the library, of all places. Uh, I just saw it displayed, and I, I kind of liked the cover, and I was like, I'll take a look at it. And it's it's this fascinating book called Under Major Domo Minor by Patrick DeWitt. I had no idea who this author is. He Apparently, his last novel was shortlisted for the Booker Prize, and... His language is so, it, this is kind of a satire, and it's it's a little bit funny, but his language is so on point, and it is so clever, that I, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying reading how he's just phrasing things. Uh, the, the characters are, are fine and, and what have you, a little bit predictable, but his language is amazing. At least to me, he's really hitting a good chord with it, so... Yeah, that's my recommendation. It's a fairly new book uh, under Major Domo Minor. It is a science fiction book. It's That's how it's listed, so I guess it counts, but I've, I just found it in new releases. <laughs> Jay, what have you been reading? In the kind of ongoing comfort food mode, uh, I have been rereading uh, The Making of The Empire Strikes Back. Nice. It's a very big, beefy book that I bought on Amazon with a very big gift card because otherwise I wouldn't have bought it in hardcover. <laughs> I think it's something like 60 um, bucks. Yeah, current list price is 56.96. So it's J.W. Rinsler, The Making of uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And it is just full of all of the nitty-gritty of the making of, the transcribed conversations that people had in production of the the movies, and it's full of wonderful behind-the-scenes photos. And so I've been using some of those to do some art studies and things like that. But yeah, it, it's wonderful, delicious, uh, expensive, and worth it. Making of The Empire Strikes Back, J.W. Rinsler. So Nina, what have you been reading? Well, I've mostly been reading rereading craft books but this week the week we are recording Sean and Maguire's newest Every Heart a Doorway came out and I just tore through the thing <laughs> it is gorgeous it's basically a school for people who have gone through the portal and come back and are not finding life quite as enjoyable as before they went through the doorway. So school for 
people like Alice in Wonderland and Susan and the other Pavenzies from Narnia and and all these other people. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's I think it's the best thing Sean and Maguire has written to date, which given my obsession with Sean and Maguire is saying something. I was going to say, I mean it does as far as just the, the listed description of that book, it kind of looks like it says to Nina love Shady. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just saying. And the content even more so. Shannon couldn't have written a more on-point book for you if she could have tried. She's probably spying on you at this very moment, wondering what she's going to write for Nina next. I can't <laughs> rule that out. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Mad Writers Union. Now let's get to work. Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevin Cloud at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Did you laugh? Did you learn? Did your heart cry out for more? Let us know. You can reach us at our website, madwritersunion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash themadwritersunion. You can tweet to us on our Twitter handle, at madwritersunion. And last but not least, you can email us at madwritersunion at gmail.com. I thought you were la- launching my explanation. Yeah, I guess so. I had, I had waffled <laughs> on that, and, and then we're going back to it. Uh, and what were you just laughing about there, Jay? I was just laughing because of the laughing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That's a thing.